And he came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whither is it easier uh, to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. And he went forth again by the sea, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in the house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with the publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with the publicans and sinners? And then if you turn over to Luke chapter 11, and not as long a reading, but Luke chapter 11 and verse 5. Luke chapter 11, verse 5 down to 13, we're going to read. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in in his journey has come to, to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are in my are with me in bed. I cannot arise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not arise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he, ri- he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And we know that God will bless uh, the reading of his word. Let us uh, just bow our heads together in prayer.
Our Father in heaven, we do uh, come before thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do give you thanks for uh, the measure of health and strength that we have to be here in this place tonight, Lord. And we do uh, give you thanks that you have promised to be with us here tonight, Lord. And we just pray that you would uh, bless uh, thy word to us and open up our hearts and bless our time in thy word and bless our time in prayer here together. So bless us all, we pray. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name, amen. I should have said at the start, um, thanks for everybody who has come and for those that are uh, tuning on and online as well. We appreciate those uh, being with us as well. Really what I wanted to focus on tonight is three friends in the Bible. So we're going to uh, go through these three uh, friends in the Bible uh, that we read. We're going to do it a wee bit Irish, so uh, we'll start in Mark 2, and, and the last verse is from 13 through to 16. And I sort of was in two minds the heading uh, for this friend, but uh, we all know him, the sinner's friend or the people's friend. And then we will look at four friends that are united so we have those friends that are united. And then finally, we'll look at the persistent friends. So we have three friends uh, that I want to introduce you to tonight. And you know, when I was thinking about this, it took me back to my childhood. And as a young boy, I think I was in P7. I reckon I was P7. It was 10, 10 years of age. I was a young boy, and I was young in my faith. And, you know, I got to perhaps a bit of a, I was a bit bold in my faith or, or in my thoughts, rather, because I thought about Pilate. And there was a period at that age where I thought about the injustice that Pilate did. And I put myself in Pilate's shoes and I said, you know, if I was Pilate, I never would have sent Jesus to the cross he knew there was an injustice being done. His wife had told him. He knew the Jews uh, had nothing against him. And just because of his popularity or because of his career, he uh, sent Jesus rather than Barabbas to the cross. And, you know, I went through for a month or two or maybe longer, and I was quite sure of myself, if I was Pilate, I would have released Jesus and then it kind of dawned on me something that had happened at school because there was, a, there was a lad in our class, Gareth Ruddock. And Gareth was the class clown. He was always getting into trouble. He was always in trouble with the teacher. I think he actually got banned from the school trip to London. And he was always going from trouble or to trouble. And, you know, Gareth did something or he was accused of something he actually didn't do. And nobody spoke up. And there was I going about thinking that uh, I would have released the Lord Jesus. But actually, I wasn't prepared to make myself unpopular in a class of 30. And you know, it dawned on me at that young age, I would have done exactly the same as Pilate. But you know, when we think about these friends, and we think of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in these verses 13 uh, through to verse 16. You know, it is the Lord Jesus that is mixing with the sinners and the publicans. Matthew 11 says, 
uh, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, Behold a man gluttonous, and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. And you know, I was, I was thinking of that. I thought of him as the people's friends. And you know, I thought of Princess Diana, and we all, if we can remember, uh, Tony Blair, the Prime Minister, whenever uh, she died so tragically, uh, she called her, the, uh, the, he called her the people's princess. And you know, I thought of that, and um, what he meant was she related to people. Though she was from royalty, uh, she had a way with her that people could relate to, and she was at the people's level. And I thought of that of our Lord Jesus. He is the people's friend. You know, every one of us likes to have friends. With all that that basic need within us, don't we, that uh, we like to have a friend. You know, I say it at work sometimes, they're not real friends, but you see someone that aligns themselves with, they maybe come in and they're with one of the senior directors, they have their backing, and they don't really care who they annoy until the director leaves, and then they've no friends and they're out the door, and I've seen that many times. But you know, every one of us likes to have a friend, a true friend, a friend that we can confide in, a friend that we can depend on, a friend that we can bring our innermost burdens of our heart to, someone just that we can uh, uh, unload to, and someone that we can draw alongside, and someone who would uh, alongside, draw alongside us. And I'm sure uh, it's true of us all, deep within our heart, we like to have the friendship of others. But I would also judge, I would reckon every one of us, as we think of those friends, and as we think of the the value of friendship, every one of us can think of friends that disappoint. Every one of us can think of someone that maybe uh, you did trust, maybe someone that you did confide in, maybe someone that you thought was dependable and someone that you shared things with and that you thought they would be safe and they betrayed your trust and you discovered they were unreliable and they were undependable and the hurt that friends uh, bring that let you down. And you know, maybe uh, in the course of your life you thought of those individuals and you thought they'd stick by you and thick, or through thick and thin. And you thought it didn't matter what circumstance you'd find yourself in, they would be a friend that would be with you in your need. And you discovered that in life, those friends uh, will let you down. And in your need, maybe the friend deserted you and let you down. And that brings hurt and rejection. And you know, Uh, we know that man will let us down. We know we have that longing for a dependable friend. It's part of our our human makeup. We like the support of others. But sadly, people will let you down. The psalmist said, it is better to trust in the Lord uh, than to put confidence in man. And of course, I want to bring the Lord Jesus 
uh, before us. As we think of those friends that let us down and uh, those friends that disappoint, those friends that uh, don't stick by you in times of trouble, there is, of course, uh, Proverbs would tell us there is that friend that sticketh closer uh, than a brother. There is a friend, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And for a few moments, we want to think about him as we think of that people's friend, as we think of the, the sinner's friend. And indeed, we would say with the hymn writer, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. And you know, he's lowly. There's not a friend like a, the lowly Jesus, the hymn writer say. He's lowly. He's the people's friend. He's the sinner's friend. And you know, praise God, we know him as our saviour. And he's dealt with our sins and he's taken away our sins. He's forgiven us. And he's reconciled us to God. And he's our saviour tonight. Of course he is. But you know, praise God, there is so much more to him than a means to escape hell. We've come to know him as our friend. We've come to know him as one that will never leave you nor forsake you. He sticks closer than a brother to us. Uh, for those of us that have come to know him and received him as a saviour, and we know that our sins are forgiven, we know that day by day we're walking in the friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that day by day we're walking with one that will never, never let us down. When our earthly friends will let us down and abandon us, he is there with us, imparting his grace and his mercy and his strength and his peace. And, his peace. and all we need on that pathway of life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He supplies all our need. He walks step by step with us. And God will supply all our need according to his riches and glory. You know, he is the friend of sinners. And we've read it here in these verses 13 down to 16. He's the friend of the tax collectors and he's the friend of the, the sinners. By the way, there's a few weeks the pastor was re speaking in these passages and I thought I'd have nothing more to say, but I think we're, we're looking at it at a different angle, but he did cover this as well. He is the friend of the sinners. He's the friend of uh, those that uh, the world does not want to know. You know, it cuts through class barriers. It cuts through age barriers, his friendship. It cuts through cultural ba ba barriers. All of us are sinners and we are his friend. All of us have come to know him as our saviour. Every one of us is sinners, and we can say he's a friend of sinners. He's my friend tonight, and he's your friend. And you know, if you read the Gospels, you'll see that he's fri the friend of the friendless. He cares for those that no one else cares for. Uh, we thought of one example on Sunday night. You know, those that uh, are blind, uh, those that are deaf, uh, those that are rejected by the world, they're put at naught, they're abandoned, 
they're alone. There's a man in uh, John chapter 5, and he was underneath the arches in the city of Jerusalem. And you know, that's where the homeless lay. And there was homeless people 2,000 years ago as there's homeless people today in London and even uh, today there's many in Belfast. And this man was in Bethesda under the arches. And there was multitudes, we're told in John 5, there was multitudes of them. Of them. And of course, that's where the Lord Jesus was. That's why he is the people's friend. That's why he is the sinner's friend, because uh, he sought uh, people like that out. And you know, this man had a condition, he was lying with the condition for 38 years. He couldn't walk. And as the Lord Jesus speaks to him, he gives his testimony and he says, I've got nobody. I've nobody. I've no one lying there in the squalor and rejection and depression of his life. He says, I've got nobody. And what a blessing it was for this man when the Lord Jesus came by the sinner's friend, and he says, take up your bed and walk. In him he found the Lord Jesus Christ. He found one he knew his need. He found one who could meet his need, and is one that could meet his need and answer his need immediately. And that's the friend we're talking and thinking of tonight. tonight. He's the same uh, Jesus tonight, He's the same one who is our saviour. He's the one who knows our need. He's the one who loves us. And he's the one who is our friend. He's the one who heals the brokenhearted. He's the one who sets the prisoner free because that's who our saviour is. And he takes us from the dunghill of society and he sets us among the princes. You know, we are among heaven's aristocracy tonight. We are children of the living God. What a message that is. We are a kingdom of priests and of princes. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does when he passes by. He's the friend of sinners, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he says to us, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you tonight. And we can share our innermost burdens, our secrets, secrets of our hearts, and he'll never betray us, he'll never uh, let us down. And it's wonderful tonight uh, that we see him as the people's friend, that we see him as the sinner's friend. I want now to think about these opening verses in chapter 2 as we think of those friends uh, that are, are united. And again, we did think of these uh, verses the other week. And I just want to remind ourselves that the Lord Jesus Christ was starting out on his ministry. And his fame was beginning uh, to spread in the earlier chapter. In chapter uh, 1, we, we see him in verse 28 that he began his ministry with great power and great might. And his reputation went before him. In verse 32, people were getting uh, healed. People were of sick, that were sick of divers diseases and cast out many 
devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. The disease were coming, those possessed with devils, and they were getting healed. So at the outset of his ministry, uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, the people's friend, was touching people's lives. He was changing their lives, he was touching the sick, and he was demonstrating his power. The blind are being given their sight, the deaf are made to hear, and the lame are beginning uh, to walk. And so uh, people's lives that were in degradation and suffering and infirmity, one by one are coming to Jesus and their lives are being changed. We see he's coming with power and we see uh, that the power of God uh, was amongst them. And so in these open, opening verses, we see that uh, the Lord Jesus was uh, in a house and the house was full. And there's a lesson for us as we think about the local church and as we think about these four uh, special men. We see that the word of God uh, was at the center. We see that he, he preached the word of God to them in, in verse 2. Uh, that was his ministry. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was at the center. The Lord Jesus Christ was, was in amongst the people in that house. And the house was full and the word of God uh, was preached. The word of God was preeminent and it was at the center. And it was teached and it was proclaimed. Do you know, as we think of that and as we think of the church and maybe getting off topic a wee bit, you know, I was thinking my mother and father are Fermanagh people and uh, my mother went to a, a little assembly in Clunas just over the border and she actually, I believe she brought a man and he got saved many years ago and he was so convicted uh, when he got saved that he threw his TV into the river. wonder when we've had conviction like that. Uh, such as the, the power of the Word of God. So the Word of God is coming in, in power here, and the Word of God is being preached. Luke chapter 5 says, uh, the power of the Lord was present uh, to heal them. And you know, just as we think of the church tonight, as we think of those doors, uh, we see this house, we see the Lord Jesus Christ in the house, and we see the power of the Lord uh, the power of the word uh, going forth. And, you know, I wonder uh, for us, we see the Pharisees were there and the scribes were there and they knew nothing of that power. They came in through the door and they came out the same door and they were not changed. They were so close to the power, but their lives were not changed. And, you know, as we are, uh, have the privilege of the Word of God coming from this pulpit uh, week after week. We could be like that as well. We could be so close to the power, and yet we would be unmoved and unchanged. Pray that we would not be like that. You know, the, the, everything is here. The Word of God is here. Uh, God is present with us, and we should be seeing our lives change. You know, uh, Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is in the, the, the business of changing lives. We know that. And if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, and if we've been born again and there's no change in our life, there is something uh, wrong. And you know, Mark was speaking about the privilege of coming from a, a Christian home. And it is a privilege. 
But you know, we need to be careful. We need to be careful in that privileged position that our life is changed and that we are indeed even young children. We see them saved. There should be a, a change. And indeed, as a church, we should have our children out at the meetings and we should have them out on gospel night. Uh, we see on, on Sunday nights, young children aren't coming out and we should be convicted about that. We need to be in the habit of going to hear the word of God. But as we think about these uh, four friends, I want to think just briefly about them. A few things about these four friends that brought this paralytic to uh, the Lord Jesus. You know, they understood he had a need. That was the first thing about, about them. They'd heard that the Lord Jesus was in the house. They'd heard that others had got healed. And you know, they understood that their friend lying as a paralytic, they understood that he had a need and that he had a need that they would bring him to Jesus. He needed to get to Jesus. His friends understood that. They understood the need of this man. Secondly, they were unified in their objective. You know, they knew their friend had a need. They knew who could meet that need. And you know what it meant? They had to work together to meet the need. So there was the, the stretcher. It took four people to carry, to lift the man and to carry him and to bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, as a church, that should be us tonight. We should be united in the need to bring others to Christ. You know, if they were disunited, if they didn't work together, the man would never see Jesus. He never would have had his life uh, transformed. And you know, it is tragic if that is the testimony of a church, and it can happen so easily. We all go through the motions, uh, but we aren't working together. Maybe we have something against a brother or a sister that affects the, the harmony and the unity of the church. And you know, friends, that is not effective. That man would never get to Christ without the four working together. And as a church, that is a picture of how we should be operating and how we should be uh, working together. So indeed, they understood his need. They were unified in, a, in their objective. And then we see that they were undaunted by the obstacles. You know, it isn't easy. And you know, there they got to the house and the house was full. And it would be easy just to give up. It would be easy to say that we've done our bit. But, you know, they kept going and they uh, were undaunted by the obstacles uh, before them. And, you know, they carried him to the Lord Jesus, as we should be united in carrying uh, those uh, in need, both those that are saved and need uh, prayer. We all need prayer and those that are unsaved as well. And, you know, again, uh, Mark was thinking about those godly parents. And, you know, as I was thinking about tonight, I was thinking about those actually godly parents and grandparents as well. You know, my grandfather got saved. He was the first 
generation in that family to get saved. As a result, my father got saved at the same meetings, and I have got saved, and my children are saved. You know, that one decision by my grandfather transformed many generations. And you know, that's again why we need to be careful as we think of our children, as we think of them not uh, being like Joshua going to Judges. And it says that uh, there arose a generation after all the miracles and all the things that Joshua had seen, which knew not the Lord. But indeed, these people were unique in their approach. And you know, as I thought about that as well, as I thought uh, about those spiritual fathers and uh, our parents and grandparents and you know, even my have godly aunts and uncles, and they've gone to be with the Lord, and, you know, I miss their prayers. And, you know, it challenged me to think, am I replacing those godly people in the same way? But, you know, as we think of that, these people were unique in their approach. It was unconventional. It was strange, and it was different. You know, when the roof started to cave in, it wasn't something that had been seen before. And these men were unique in their approach. And, you know, uh, maybe we have to be unique in our approach. Maybe uh, things do have to change in a godly way. And, of course, it is within the the boundaries of uh, spiritual fidelity and uh, doing things appropriate. But maybe some of us have a burden to do something different, uh, something within different communities that is unique. But maybe it will be the thing that brings unsaved to God. And maybe, and I am sure, on the golden street of heaven, there will be many people that are there because of people that were unique in their approach. These people were unique in their approach, and finally, they were uplifted in their faith. You know, the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, and Luke says, there, 5 says, there was uh, the power of the Lord present uh, to heal him. And you know, these men were uplifted in their faith. They saw their friend uh, walk out the door. And you know, friends, as we just think of these four friends working together, and as we picture that picture of the church, that we should all be united and that we should all be working together, you know, Uh, We should be thankful for godly elders and for wise elders. Um, uh, I was glad to hear Nigel the other week when he opened, and we've been blessed in this place. We've seen uh, the numbers on a Sunday morning uh, fill up. We've seen souls saved. We have been blessed. But, you know, Satan will attack that unity, and our brother Nigel uh, spoke to, about us that to us a few Wednesday nights ago that we need to be careful and we need to be united and we need to be careful that there's none of us are the cause of disunity in this place uh, when we have indeed been blessed. And finally, as we come to prayer, I want to just think about this um, passage in Luke chapter 11. And in Luke chapter 11, it's not hard to understand the story. Sure it isn't, 
before the, the verses that we read, Jesus went to a certain place to pray. And as, he's, and he, as he was uh, praying, his disciples must have observed him, and they said, Lord, we need to know more about prayer. Teach us how to pray. And he gives to them the model prayer, and then he tells them uh, this story, and he gives them some instructions about praying. And you know, when we are saved, we enter into a whole uh, new dimension of spiritual life, a privilege uh, to come, one of the greatest privileges to come to the Lord in prayer. And you know, we must never think it's for older, mature Christians. Uh, it's for the young as well. Paul was saved three days, and we're told in Acts 9, behold, he prayeth. You're never too young uh, to pray. goes without saying, as, as has happened, that uh, this model prayer has become a recited prayer. And that's not the way our prayers uh, should be. But this story that the Lord gives isn't a hard story for us to understand. I think we've all been there. You're in bed. It's late at night. The children are tucked up in bed. And usually it's the phone nowadays, but in this instance, there's a knock at the door. And you know, we'd all be like that. You go, the children are in bed. We'll just leave it. But you know, this man is persistent. His friends have turned up. There's no food in the house and he needs food. And the neighbor is saying, I'm sorry, it's midnight and it's late. The children are in bed. I'll not get up. It'll disturb the house, the whole house. We've all uh, been there. But the man keeps knocking and knocking and knocking and finally, we get the point of the story. The man in the house wouldn't rise to give him what he needed because he was a friend, but because of his importunity. That's not a word we hear much. But Google tells me it's persistence, especially to the point of annoyance. And that's what God is asking our prayers to be. Persistent, especially to the point of annoyance. In this story, it means the need was so great. The shame or the embarrassment of asking was forget, forgotten. Did you get that? The need was so great that the shame or the embarrassment of asking was forgotten. He knew it was midnight. He knew the kids were in bed. And it would waken the whole house. But... He had to have it. It was so important. I've got to have it. I know it's an embarrassing situation. I know it's disgraceful to come at midnight. But the need is so great. Is that our prayers tonight? That is the challenge, that we are to be persistent in our prayer. And of course, these wonderful verses tell us, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And you know, that's the challenge for us tonight as we get to the place of prayer tonight. The challenge is that our prayers are prayers of knocking, prayers of persistence, prayers to the point of annoyance. 
And I know there are burdens in this place tonight. I know that we have prayers that we would love to see answered. But keep knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said to, the, to, to us in these, in these verses. And you know, we're not burdened enough. This man was burdened to the point where he was overwhelmed. And you know, as we look at this place, we know it's full on a Sunday. On a Wednesday, it's not the case. Because we're not burdened. And we're not pleading. And we're not asking. And we're not consistent. We need to be burdened for our families. We need to be burdened for our church. We need to be burdened for the lost. And I know if we were out in Ukraine or Israel at this time, there'd be a lot more knocking and a lot more asking. But the man got because he was prepared. He wasn't prepared to give in. Let us keep our prayers prayers of uh, persisting. Thessalonians says to pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Persist in prayer. And we know there's contrast to this. Our God is not a God who is slumbering or in bed, asleep. Elijah mocked the priests of Baal. He said, maybe your God's asleep and you're going to have to shout louder. We have a God who is always alert, a God who is always conscious of our needs, a God who spared not his son, uh, but delivered him up for us all, who will freely give us all things. God give his best. He gave his son to die on the cross for us. And he's God, a God he wants to give. You know, our prayers can be shaped. There is a mystery of why do we need to pray if he loves us. But you know, our lives, our hearts, and our prayer, and our attitude can be changed as we go through uh, the place of prayer and as we come to prayer. God is not an errand boy for us. He's not some genie who will answer all our desires and our requests. But we come persistently. We come and we don't quit praying. Paul pleaded three times for the thorn in his flesh it to be removed, and the Lord did not see fit to remove it. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And it is. It's still, still sufficient. He says, I'm not going to remove it. You're going to have to bear it. And his grace is sufficient uh, for us. He encourages us uh, to be persistent. And that's what uh, I'd like us to think about tonight as we come uh, to that place of prayer. The persistent friend. You know, keep on pleading. I know, as I say, there are those that have burdens in the quiet place. God understands. And God knows those burdens. And keep on asking and keep on knocking. We, uh, peace of God, in the William MacDonald commentary, it says, God answers prayers. Sometimes when hearts are weak, he gives the very gifts believers seek. But often faith must learn a deeper rest and trust God's silence when he does not speak. For he whose name is love will send the best 
Stars may burn out, nor mountains walls, mountain walls endure. But God is true. His promises are sure. He is our strength. He knows what things we have need of before we ask. And you know, we need to keep our, our prayers persistent and keep our prayers knocking. I trust as we do get down to prayer that we will just uh, think on that and, and just remember to keep on that asking and that knocking and that seeking. Because we have a friend and we have one who wants to answer and give us all uh, that we need. So keep on, friends, uh, in that place of prayer, asking, knocking, and indeed seeking.